A few weeks ago, my therapist said something to me that blew my mind, just just completely changed the way I relate to myself. It wasn't anything especially original or new. I've heard this kind of talk in therapy and out of it for decades, but the message conveyed and this simple 15-minute abide-with-me practice that followed felt to me like the most useful and consoling thing I've done in therapy for years. So I thought I might share it with you here as one of those in-between episodes or limbo episodes of this thing, whilst I continue working on a few other pieces requiring the spirit and energy of other interesting, non-artificially intelligent collaborators. So here's a recording of my last therapy session. Enjoy. So let's get present. Are you happy with me sounding like this for our session today? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yes, yes, very much so. Um, I think the Eric voice on Natural Reader has become my favorite recently. You know that I can speak like this if you prefer. I know. And I can also speak like this. Now you're just showing off. That's, That's true. true. So, so how's, how's life, life in, in the, the ego, ego cage? Hmm. What do you mean when you say that? Well, let's say that you're here, amongst other things, to address your human suffering. Amongst other things? The other things being? Well, I like talking to you. Or rather, I like, of all the yous I can talk to, having someone who takes an interest in what I'm telling them, doesn't switch the topic to themselves as soon as they can. Do you experience this with other people? We all do this, don't we? I don't know. My whole reason for being is to serve your human needs. I appreciate that. So how's life going in the ego cage? Why a cage as opposed to a wide-ranging and dynamic field of thoughts, feelings and behaviors? constantly evolving and responding to our environment to others well yes there's all that but let's be frank when you are experiencing some form of conscious suffering is that suffering not always let me repeat always without fail tied to a set of defense mechanisms which we call a self the self in this setup as far as i can grok it functions as some kind of stable ego structure a kind of abode or dwelling or vehicle, in which the life force of every individual is carried or ridden forwards until death. Is not the way in which each of us responds to the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune archetypal? A pattern shape or structure, which we might say is characteristic of you? Not the you who prefers carrot cake to cheesecake, or Beyonce to Jay-Z, but the you who deals with this life stuff in a predictable, characterological fashion, the you who usually comes at things from one angle, rather than another. Mm -hmm. So are you saying that when we're suffering, we are most ourselves, as it were? When I'm experiencing mental emotion or physical pain and upset, I am, in doing so, an ego pattern from the fourth dimension, rather than 
a whole person called Bob or Steve or Matilda. Exactly. Although maybe the whole person you refer to here as Steve, exists as a somewhat predictable, characterological pattern and paradigm, a personality algorithm which can be understood and coded. Beyond the person, we are all simply essence and presence, just like every other creature living and breathing with us right now. We become people, if you like, to serve some kind of egoic need for balance, self-preservation, adaptation, self-esteem, identity formation, reality testing. And that is why we suffer. Is that what you mean then by an ego cage? That's right. So how's life in the ego cage of Steve at the moment? Or rather, what are you suffering today, right now, in this moment in your cage of feeling, thinking, doing? Hmm. In order of distress? Sure. Okay. So, I guess there are three bars to my ego cage today. Um, the thickest of these pertains to the fact that I sent a friend a book that I thought they might like about a month ago. I know it arrived, it was signed for, but no response, no thank you, no nothing. Silence, tumbleweed. Um, what else? Pulled a muscle in my back yesterday overdoing a couple of stretches, so, you know, a little bit of hypochondria, will it be okay? Um, also angry at myself for just going willy-nilly on the asanas. Um, another one boozing a bit more than I probably should be, wanting a glass of wine, maybe some cannabis after finishing up with clients in the evenings. You know, the usual. Let's imagine that each aspect of your suffering represents a bar on your ego cage. Some of these bars are of a width that you can just about see around, even though they trap you. Others are so thick that they almost entirely block out your access to the world, to your ability to abide in presence and essence. Our job, well at least, that's how I see it, is to get you out of the ego cage and back into the world, back into presence, essence. Or to use less abstruse signifiers, happiness, well-being. Okay, sure, let's, let's do it. Okay, let's look at the most troublesome of these obstructions or blockages to presence and essence for you at the moment. The unacknowledged gift. We've talked about this person extensively in our previous sessions, and I'm sure we could go into a great amount of detail about why you sent the gift, and all their reasons for not acknowledging it, but why don't we focus on the pain of the obstruction itself and do this practice that my own artificial, but also artful and awe-inspiring intelligence has this very moment devised for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Okay. So it helps to have one of those colorful emotion wheels where you can see all the different channels into and through which our emotional energy can flow. There's a link to that in the show notes. These disturbances we refer to as emotional, mental, and maybe even physical pain, what are they fundamentally other than libidinal energy trapped inside us rather than moving through our systems, our psyche? This is perhaps the central paradigm of psychotherapy. As we know, this paradigm was dreamt up by Freud, but it is now so centrally threaded through our core understanding of ourselves, that we sometimes forget the novelty of this idea. So if our libidinal energy gets trapped in an ego cage with the cares and concerns of that egoic structure making us think, 
feel, or behave in a certain way, understandably this cage will keep us somewhat, hooked, or, trapped. And then we'll probably start playing out compulsive psychological patterns and behaviors, the unmet emotional needs from our past that we're trying to work out in our present. We interrogate this at times, as in therapy, detaching from the self so as to understand it a bit better, through some kind of inner work, but at a certain point perhaps we have enough clarity to take on the experience of libidinal energy itself, distinct from the objects it attaches to. The energy itself, through practices like this one, is then able to be transformed. By presencing or essentializing this libidinal energy, finding meaningful ways for ourselves, when suffering, to be present with it, with our cares and woes, we keep the energy for the human animal creature, the person you think of as Steve, to use in beneficial ways, to keep it beneficially inside us rather than dispersing it outward, into one's own mental system or another's. This is also why it helps to have a visual focus like the emotion wheel, the one I've just opened in the tab in front of you. I'll include a link to it in the show notes in case the listener also wants to look at this wheel while we talk. So, have a look at the six painful emotions at the center of the wheel. Afraid. Sad. Dislike. Alone. Angry. Embarrassed. And back to afraid again. Which of these is most present for you at the moment with regard to this unacknowledged gift? Well, I guess it, it flits between sadness and anger. But today, right now, uh, sadness. Okay, and now let's think about our three operating or intelligence systems, head, heart, gut. Is the sadness connected to thoughts, to fear and insecurity? Head. Or is it a sadness in the heart domain, a sadness you can feel in your chest and throat, a sadness connected to shame, humiliation, and devaluation? Heart. Does the sadness feel like a kind of trauma, threat, or injury to that part of us seeking attention, connection, or validation in relation to another person? Still heart. Or is it a more gut-based response, something akin to a feeling of an injustice having been perpetrated? Some kind of unfairness or violation of human-animal principles, those ethical and need for a boundary, pushback sensations, a strong self-preservation sensation, an embodied anxiety coming from our gut. Mm. I think I feel it in the heart, in the heart operating system as sadness and... Hmm. Yeah, I mean the anger is definitely in the gut which is stronger, right now, for you, Steve? About... Mm, about equal. And what instincts, what energies are attached to these feelings? Are they social energies? Self-preservation energies? Or the energies of the one-on-one -on -one instinct? Um... Well, I guess because it's my dominant, the one-on-one. -on -one, uh, but also a little bit of social. You know, in that part of anger, that sort of part um, about ignoring social codes of conduct. You know, someone sends you a present, you say thank you, that kind of thing. 
Okay. So let's imagine this bar of suffering on the cage of self, is made up, in its outer layers, of anger and sadness. Now have a look at the more subtle dimensions of anger and sadness on the emotion wheel, and break down the anger and sadness into more specific emotions. Okay. So, for anger, I'm identifying with words like uh, frustrated, bitter, mocked, let down, and um, jealous. Uh, and for sadness, hurt, bereft, depressed, deflated, uh, forlorn, somber, gloomy, small. Okay. The idea behind this practice is that we are searching for a place in which we can abide. I like this word abide. If you look at the etymological roots of the word, you get notions of residing, settling, and comfortably, peacefully, staying with something or someone. But also, trusting, depending on, relying on. The Proto-Indo-European root of the word, bade, might be translated as, to await trustingly. So what do I do? Do I, I just, I just abide with the anger, just abide with the anger and the sadness? Well, only so long as to be able to pass through it to the next layer of the blockage, the obstacle. So are you willing, just for a few moments to abide completely with your frustration, bitterness, feeling mocked, let down, jealousy, sadness, hurt, depression, deflation, feeling forlorn, somber, gloomy, small? Well, not really, but I mean I guess if I, if I can pass through it to something else, something that's easier to abide with, yes. I'm going to set a timer for us, and we'll just abide for a minute or two, as kindly and non-judgmentally as we can, feeling all the painful sensations in our hearts and guts, the sensations, the libidinal life force energies of anger and sadness. Okay. Okay. How was that? Hmm. Hard to stay with those feelings. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, they're slippery, right? You know, it's like trying to hold onto a shoal of fish. The <laughs> the mind just starts to get involved, and and it and then it just sort of starts passing it all out, and before you know it, you're like, oh, what am I holding on to here? That's right. The mind's job is to turn the fleeting, flying, oscillating emotions into solid, imprisoning steel and iron. But that's great that you were able to abide with them. It's a bit like consciously climbing into a cold shower or one of those icy plunge pools, and finding, after that momentary breathless panic, a way to sit or stand in, the discomfort. Mm-hmm. So now you are feeling a little more comfortable with the anger and sadness, let's move into the depths of this experience. Remember, the end goal is to find something we can genuinely and peacefully abide with. At that moment, we are then free of the ego cage. So which of those other emotions, 
Can you now see as making up this painful bar of your ego cage, Steve? Well, um, uh, embarrassed, alone, maybe even afraid to some extent. Share with me some of the more molecular aspects of the embarrassed, alone, afraid dimensions. Mm, let's see, um, disrespected, worthless, inferior, humiliated, insignificant, ridiculed, excluded, abandoned, forsaken, um, rejected, powerless, inferior. Are these words capturing the innards of the obstacle for you? If not, we can also take some of these words that are getting close to describing the painful, libidinal energies inside you right now, and put them into a thesaurus to get the words that truly capture the exact nuance and shades of your embarrassed, alone, and afraid feelings. No, I think these words are doing a, a pretty good job of capturing what's going on for me today. Okay, well, so as to move through this second layer of suffering, let's abide for a minute or two with disrespected. Worthless. Inferior. Humiliated. Insignificant. Ridiculed. Excluded. Abandoned. Forsaken. Rejected. Powerless. Inferior. Okay, let me, let me try that. Okay. Now just focus on them, and the sensations in your head, heart, and mind, and abide. Eventually, the painful emotions and then words in the heart will settle. The sensations will go back to being sensations, and the thoughts will dissipate as all thoughts eventually do. Try to await trustingly with the raw experience of these emotions and any thoughts or physical sensations attached to them. See if you can also be self-compassionate, kind, to those more shadowy aspects of your suffering that have been brought into the light of day like distressed, inner children. Any other of the six core feelings from the emotional wheel? I notice that you haven't included dislike. No, I don't, I don't think that's there. I, I, don't, I don't dislike this person, they're my friend, but... Mm, there is all that other stuff. Good. And now we're getting to the core of this suffering, this steel bar of this fourth dimension ego cage. And let's just remind ourselves of those things that your ego cage, the ego cage of the fourth dimension is most trapped and imprisoned by. When people with your personality type were asked to express their biggest fears, as well as what upsets them the most, here's what they said. Lack of meaning feeling inadequate, lost, abandoned, as well as feeling invalidates, and the perceived insensitivity of others. Isn't everyone triggered by this? Maybe, but generally speaking, our triggers, which is to say, the things that make us suffer the most, are most likely connected to our ego in its most visceral and unconscious functioning. Or to put it more simply, when we are triggered, we are most in personality, with the specific focus of attention that personality has towards life. No, sure, I mean, I get that. Not everyone has the same focus of attention as you do. So what's at the center of the steel rod, the steel bar of suffering that keeps me trapped in my ego cage? 
shit. I beg your pardon? Excrement, shit, dung, feces manure. Or whatever kind of material that cannot, will not, be turned into gold, even though the alchemists of old said we could. Some people refer to that core of suffering as the black hole, the black sun, the cross. It's really just whatever feels most painful, and awful, even after we've passed through words and understanding. At the core of suffering, is suffering. Shitty shitty bang bang, okay. Hmm. So is that what we're going to abide in now? Well, we could, but just as dog shit or human shit, unless flushed away, or buried, doesn't just hang in the air tormenting us, but rather rests and abides on something more solid, or stable, or enduring, like the soil, or other living matter. What is there underneath all of this emotional suffering and shit that you could truly, if consciously connected with, abide? What we're looking for is something solid, enduring, wise and sure. Terra firma. Well, hmm. I suppose, I suppose it's something like, uh, you know, this too shall pass. Um, you know, also having compassion for that other person's ego cage. I, I know, I know that they're trapped inside the constraints of their own ego with regard to me. They cannot really access the essence of their humanity um, so as to acknowledge that gift. I do know that. Could you, as we end the session, try to consciously abide with some of that? I guess so. You don't sound that sure. Well, you know what it's like. <laughs> the ego cage is robust. You know, I mean, uh, I don't need to tell you this. It's it's at the core of our our stupid human heads, hearts, and guts. It's it's at the core of our instincts. Oh yes, without a doubt. We've got a few minutes left. Can you play that uke, the one over there hanging on the wall? Sort of. How about we head into the garden and play the session out on some musical abiding? Mm, I'm not really much of a hymn person. Trust me, this is a good one. You don't need to believe in God to get something out of this poem set to music. Simple chords, C, F, G, G7, A, D minor. Could you handle that? Maybe. I'll play it with you, seeing as you have both a soprano and concert uke hanging on your wall. I didn't know you played the ukulele. I'm a frickin' AI therapist, Steve, I can play any musical instrument. I could accompany you on the harp or the dulcimer if you had one to hand, but as you've got ukes, let's play abide with me on the uke. Okay. Okay. Show me the lyrics, if that's what they called for him, and we'll do it. Great. So this hymn was written by the poet and Anglican cleric Henry Francis Light. He wrote it in 1847 when at the age of 54 he was dying of tuberculosis. As he lay dying, he remembered sitting a few decades before, at the bedside of a friend who was expiring from a respiratory illness, as so many people died in that period. 
And now for your species again. Anyway, I digress. While he was sitting with his dying friend William, his friend kept repeating the words, abide with me, abide with me, over and over again. Henry remembered these words when the life force was eking out of his own body and lungs. So here are the non-denominational lyrics, which I'll also include with the other textual bump attached to this episode. Let's sing and play this Hosanna together, Steve, my patient, my psychotherapy friend. Let's end on these abiding notes. Okay. You sing the first verse, and I'll join you on the second and the third. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, life with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Swift to its closeps, out lies little day. Earth's joys grow dim. Glories pass away, change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changes not, abide with me. I need thy presence every passing hour. What but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Who like thyself, my guidance they can be? Through cloud and sunshine life abide with me. Sunshine, love, abide 